you know, people try to get into so many things instead of focusing on a few things they are really good at. I'm sure you've uh, seen the analogy of the magnifying glass and the rays of sun, that if you put a piece of paper out there, it wouldn't really impact that piece of paper. But if you take a magnifying glass and you channel the power of the rays of the sun to that paper, it catches fire. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Seth Heckeman of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today, my co-host is Todd Miller. Our goal here at Construction Disruption is to provide timely and forward-looking information regarding the construction world. We have great conversations spanning innovations, as well as trends and practices, building materials, labor market, and leadership. Today's guest is Benson Abortogo, founder of Consistent Profit Tree, where he helps service companies grow consistent profits while working fewer hours. Benson, welcome to Construction Disruption. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to our time and conversation. Uh, so to start, I wanted to hear more uh, about Consistent Profit Tree, the work that you uh, do uh, through your company and, and how you're helping your clients and who are your clients that you're working with uh, right now. Uh, most of my clients right now, interestingly, which is, I believe, part of the reason why I'm on this show uh, in the construction, you know, anything that has to do with housing, I uh, have clients in uh, who drill foundations, uh, foundation drilling, both commercial, uh, residential. Uh, some of them do utilities, you know, the big pipes that, uh, you know, they connect out there. Uh, the stadiums that are built, you know, those guys do the foundation. You know, and of course, anything from roofing, plumbing, uh, and then general service-based uh, businesses, uh, you know, are the people I work with. And I came up with a consistent profit tree because over the years as I've worked with uh, clients, I have noticed uh, a trend, uh, a trend of fluctuation, which is, you know, people get uh, profitable and then um, they don't generate any kind of profit. And then they get profitable, then they don't generate any kind of profit. So this roller coaster uh, pattern is what I noticed. And of course, I realized that that was part of human nature. You know, these companies, they stopped doing the good things they were doing to generate profit once they got the profit. They became comfortable and they stopped doing the things they used to do. And then when they realized that they're in trouble, then they now say, oh, we used to do all of this marketing on a consistent basis. No, let's get back to it. Uh, so we come in and we say, hey, if you want to leave, you cannot go on an oxygen vacation even for a day. You have to be breathing you know, on an <laughs> ongoing basis. You know, So if you really want to be a good farmer, you shouldn't miss a season of sowing. Because they don't realize that when you miss a season of sowing, it's going to take a long, it's going to take a longer period of time for you to, to catch up. So I had to bring that into their notion. 
The other reason why we, uh, our company is called Consistent Profit Tree is I realized that many, many of the clients uh, who came to us were trying to do so many things and they were confusing the clients they, they, they wanted to serve. And so I started asking them a simple question. Have you ever seen a tree with mangoes and guavas and apples, you know, on the same tree? And they would say, no. I said, so why is your business trying to grow so many fruits? You are confusing people. We don't know what type of tree you are. You know, stick with one major fruit so when people come to you, they can recognize you by the fruit you are producing. The third reason why we call it consistent profit tree is by nature, trees are universal and they don't respect economies. Trees don't say, oh, uh, the Democrats are in charge. We are not going to grow. Uh, trees don't say, oh, uh, there's somebody in the White House who don't like, so we are not going to grow. Uh, trees don't care. Uh, trees don't say, you know, you are a black person, so uh, I'm not going to grow uh, because you are a black person and you are planting me and cultivating me. They don't care about skin color. They don't care about if you are a man or a woman. Uh, they don't care if you plant them in Africa or you plant them in Asia or you plant them in America. They just grow and God is so faithful that he keeps sending rain and he keeps sending sun. So long as we plant those seeds, you know, the tree, the seeds will eventually grow and become trees and those trees will eventually become, you know, orchards. So it, it helped us to take away all the excuses we hear from people as to why, you know, their businesses are not growing consistently. Love all of those aspects of the name. You packed so much in there and so much that, you know, we see from our perspective of, you know, in our business and working with service companies in, in our business across the country where that consistency and, you know, some seasons you have a little more urgency than others and what that up and down roller coaster does to to business health and just your psyche overall. Um, but I love that fruit analogy on a single tree. I'm going to probably steal that if, if it's okay. I'll, I'll credit you with it, but it, it's a good one. I will be thinking about that the rest of the day. If, if so. Said if I see you using it too much, you know, don't be surprised if I send you an invoice or royalty, you know. <laughs> That's all right. I'd welcome it. He deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, all is fantastic. So the principle of that resiliency and a disregard for your surroundings and environment and just keep keep growing regardless is wonderful, too. You know, to kind of back up a little bit on something you touched on, uh, Benson, um, you know, we, we're coming out of a period of the last several years or last few years, um, certainly with that little bit of hiatus there during COVID shutdowns. But generally speaking, most people in the construction industry have been incredibly busy for the last couple of years or last 18 months. And, you know, then I start seeing this thing of guys buying big trucks and then bigger trucks and then more bigger trucks. And, you know, I, I do worry a lot of times that uh, folks haven't prepared for those times when things are going to slow down and they've taken on a huge amount of debt. Is that something you end up talking to your clients some about, too, is, is watching those expenses? Absolutely. As a, as a matter of fact, part of our consultation with clients is 
making sure that they never buy something they are not qualified to own. So we do something we call management by percentages. So there's a capital, there's a capital development account that is a percentage of the cash flow that comes in. And you never exhaust more than 80% of that account. So if you are ever going to buy something or put a down payment on something that the money in that account is not sufficient, we typically say you are not old enough to own what you are trying to buy. And when they say, well, why don't you just take the money from the operating account and add it here and buy that stuff? And I said, no, that will be stealing from the operating account. And before you know it, you will move from organic growth to inorganic growth. Because every tree grows organically. Trees don't grow inorganically. And when you try to grow trees inorganically, you end up producing fruits that are not healthy. So any business that is growing too much on depth is not growing organically. And so that business is having some phantom success and it's just a matter of time is going to Rumble. Right. And you're also teaching good practices in terms of, you know, controlling that debt, controlling the expenses. So if an opportunity does come along down the road that is really a solid opportunity and they want to take on bank debt um, and they have to do that in order to pursue that opportunity, they're going to look good. Uh, so so they're going to be in a position where the bank's going to say, okay, this is a company that has managed themselves well in the past, that has managed their expenses, has managed their debt, and that helps make them look more attractive to banks down the road as well. Absolutely. And when you, when you have that discipline of even if you have the opportunity to borrow, but you are cash-wise, I'll give you an example. When the pandemic hit, um, 2020, then in 2021, a lot of the construction business, especially foundation drilling, uh, one of them was really, really big. And I was surprised they went out of business like this. And what happened is they became lazy in the collection of their accounts receivables. So they kept going back to the investors to pump money into their business for them, you know, to keep running. And unfortunately, they made their customers, uh, their bankers without paying them any interest. So when the economy, when the, the uh, pandemic hit, the investors refused to put more money and these guys went under immediately. But one of our clients who had really built their reserve accounts was able to buy their assets so cheaply because he had that cash available. So that is part of the advantage of, you know, running a responsible business. You don't just take advantage when it comes to financing, but you also take advantage in buying things cash at a very, very reasonable rate because you have that money ready, you know, to expand accordingly. Absolutely. Good stuff. So uh, would love to hear, Benson, more of your story uh, up prior to starting Consistent Profit Tree, a uh, story of what your life has looked like and, and then led you to learning these uh, key, br- key principles that you're then bringing to your clients. Absolutely. Um, from my accent, you can tell, you know, um, I'm not a typical American. 
after I was born and uh, raised in Cameroon, uh, which is in West Africa. And, you know, I'd arrived at the age of about 13. I was really fortunate, you know, to encounter uh, God and, you know, really gave my life to Christ. So, you know, I talk about my faith openly because I'm not ashamed of it. And I really became passionate to introduce other people to, to Christ. So I went door to door, you know, talking to people because I really believed at that time that if people uh, partnered with God, their problems would be solved. So I was passionate uh, in leading people, you know, to Christ. Right up to after high school, I decided to become a missionary pastor. So I went to a neighboring country, Nigeria, and, you know, planted churches, you know, um, and I got to a point where I had about 32 pastors under my leadership. But something disturbing began to happen. Every time I had meetings with these pastors, they kept complaining about lack of finances. Uh, in the church I was pastoring at that time too, I saw people struggling financially. I was struggling myself at the time financially. So one day I became so fed up and I said, God, how can a rich God, based on what I read in the Bible, have poor kids? Why are we always struggling with raising money and money and money and money? There is a disconnect yet. And I heard that small voice in me that said, Benson, you want to solve this problem? I said, yes, that's what I'm asking. I'm frustrated. And that small voice said, if you want to solve this problem, you have to go back to school and study business. And immediately I said, get ye behind me, Satan, because in Africa, business is really <laughs> most of corruption. You know? <laughs> if you want to do business in Africa, you are going to be involved in bribery you know, and corruption. And I was thinking to myself, what does a pastor have to do with corruption? So, But deep within me, I knew that small voice was the voice of God. So I said, no, God. If you really wanted me to go back to school and study business, um, I really want to go to the United States of America. And at that time, I didn't even have a bank account. So people were laughing at me. So I had a professor who had been a part of uh, one of the churches I pastored. So I sent him an email. I said, I believe God is leading me to go back to school and study business. What are the good schools in the United States that can teach me business with a biblical foundation? So he sent me two colleges, the King's College and Naya College, both of them in New York. I look at the two applications and I say, you know what? I'm a king. I'm going to the King's College in <laughs> Naya. <laughs> so I applied to the King's College. That was the only college I applied. And, you know, fortunately, I was uh, accepted. And then God just uh, made a way and I moved into the United States in 2003, went to the King's College, great school. Uh, glad to have had a good education. And so I left things, started a consulting company with a former business mentor who passed away uh, in 2015. And after that first consulting company, which we ran for several years, I felt it was a good time to put my uh, uh, spiritual training and my business training together to really help people in the uh, business world. So that is how... Uh, Consistent Profit Tree was born. It was it was called Business in God before, uh, but many people kept thinking it was a non-profit. You know, I say, you know, why do people <laughs> always associate anything with God and non-profit? 
so it will not change the consistent profit tree, which also helps really put the value of what we do in front of people. So that's uh, the uh, Cliff Notes version of my story. That's wonderful. And I was going to mention there's there are several Nigerian princes who owe me several million dollars at this point. I've I've gotten letters <laughs> from them. So if you can help me make any of those connections, that would be awesome. Unfortunately, Todd, you know, um, I don't play in that world in, in Africa. We call them uh, which is your own version of scam. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And uh, I loved that, you know, using, uh, bringing that spiritual and business together. And so I imagine that when you're working with your clients, that can't, when that's such an inherent uh core part of you that that's got to bleed over in your conversations where it's it's both a spiritual and a business conversation then w- when you're working with folks is that right absolutely and and we we work with folks who are not necessarily christians at this point yet i remember a jewish woman uh, was introduced to me and she said you know i'm not really a christian um are you going to work with me and my question to her was do you love people she said yes I said, if you love people, we can work together because it's all about loving people and caring for them enough to help them to solve their problem. So when we, when we work with, with, uh, with, with, with our clients, love is really at the middle of it. And I've used love to help many clients to get out of their Mickey Mouse excuse giving of why they shouldn't go out there on a consistent basis and market their product or services. So when I see clients who are tippy-toeing about marketing their business, the question I usually say to them is, do you really believe in the, in the service that you offer? And they'll say, yes. Then I say, if you believe in that service, you are a wicked person. And that usually gets their attention. Benson, why are you calling me wicked? I said, because you have a solution you believe in, and you have many people out there who are dying, who need your services, but you are not offering them the solution. You are like somebody who knows people who have cancer, and you have a cure, and you are not telling them about it. I said, if you are ashamed to tell people about your services, then you are wicked. You are not doing them a service. You are doing them a disservice by hiding your your service from them. These people, they are going to have leaky roofs. They are going to have faulty foundations. You know, their, their plumbing is going to burst because you are not, you're going to allow some, some bad roofer to go serve them and before you know it, in one year or two years, they are having a leaky roof after spending thousands of dollars. And you, who has good service, you are, you are shy to talk about it. 
Why you we get get out there and sell so many people from having <laughs> bad rules? You know? I, I may have to steal that one. And it applies to marketing. It applies to sales of going in and helping uh, someone understand your value over your competition. But it all goes back to your profit principle, though, too, where you need to run a business where you can care for people and be profitable and sustainable. But you also need to charge what you need to charge. That way you'll be around to help the next people too. So it all comes together. And uh, when done with that best interest in heart, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So what, when you're coming alongside with a client, uh, beginning that relationship, what I'm sure there's, you, you get into the weeds with them. You start making evaluations and, and understanding, you know, their business and also, you know, the spiritual and, and personal life also is a part of that, um, you know, helping them taking that holistic approach. But what, what does that process look like? How, what do you look for uh, at first or what do you first look at? Uh, what questions do you ask? How do you start those conversations? The first thing is really to know where they are going, because if you don't know where you're going, it's very difficult to design a roadmap, you know, to get there. So revenue-wise, we want to know, you know, where do you want to be revenue-wise, profit-wise in the next 12 months? Uh, what would that look like in the next 16 months, which is you not know, five years? Because we want to have a, a, both a short-term and a long-term perspective. Once we know what, what the destination looks like, then we come back to the departure. Okay, so what are things looking like right now? Because once you know the destination and the departure, it's easy to design a map to move to where you want to go. So we look at what is happening right now. Then it helps us to really establish a gap between where they are now and where they want to be. And that informs us to really look at, okay, what are the systems we need to design to help them to move methodically or consistently from where they are today to where they really want to be. And uh, that includes the spiritual front, you know, the personal front and, you know, the, uh, the business. So the business, you know, the personal and the spiritual, because I really believe that those three go hand in hand. Uh, because if you have one and you are missing the other, then you end up making so much money, but you have a meaningless life. You have a frustrated life. Or if you neglect your personal, you end up working so many hours, you make so much money, uh, but you go give all that money to doctors because your body is sick and it can no longer function well. So you end up not really enjoying you know, that money. Or if you neglect your home, you end up being like uh, you know, the guy who was going to the office one day and the two-year-old daughter asked him, said, Dad, are you going home? Um, <laughs> he said, what do you mean by going home? Because, <laughs> and he hit him like a ton of brick that because he was, he was working so much in the office, the daughter thought his office was his home. So <laughs> he was hardly at home, you know, so... <laughs> So there really has to be a balance of bringing all of that together so there's a holistic, you know, approach. Because if one of the pillars is missing, life is really going to be miserable. So that it sounds like the uh, faith, purpose, and profit framework I, kind of, I read about on your website that you work folks through? You know, absolutely. 
Absolutely. You are, you are a very smart man, you know, Seb. You, you, you put it together very, very, very well. <laughs> well, you laid it out online for me to read, so that was great. But so when what are you mentioned those gaps that you know what is what is preventing us from getting where we are today to where we want to be what are those most common gaps or or missing links that you see with construction companies service companies that then uh, you come alongside and help with one of the biggest ones i've seen is uh distractions you know people try to get into so many things instead of focusing on a few things they are really good at I'm sure you've uh, seen the analogy of uh, the magnifying glass and the rays of sun. That if you put a piece of paper out there and, you know, the sun is scattered, it wouldn't really impact that piece of paper. But if you take a magnifying glass and you channel the power of the rays of the sun to that paper, it catches fire. So distractions is the big thing that I see impacting a lot of people. So I, I try to really encourage them to focus on an area or areas they are really good at that they can really dominate. Uh, the other one I see is, you know, um, pricing based on what the competitor is doing versus pricing based on their value they are delivering. So they get into this pricing wall and unfortunately, a lot of them end up taking work uh, just because they want to keep their people busy or they want to keep their rates busy. But when you look at the bottom line, it's really anemic. So at the end of the day, they are really quizzing themselves gradually, gradually to death. Because if you just do work and you prize because you want to be the cheapest bidder, but you don't have any profit left at the end of the day, you're not going to be in business for so long. So at the end of the day, you are doing a disservice to yourself, you are doing a disservice to your clients, you are doing a disservice to your employees. So that is a very, very common mistake I see. And usually it's the fastest area that I help you know, clients fix. Because once they change their pricing, just like that, their bottom line goes up. This is the time of year where we start hearing about those kind of jobs around here where, well, it was winter and I just needed to get a deal or we're coming into spring and wanted to kickstart things. And uh, all of us end up regretting those deals uh, eventually, it seems like. And it seems like those deals even get worse than the low margin they started out with, unfortunately. So the, the profit karma comes and gets you eventually. Absolutely. And in addition to pricing, one of the one of the things that we also do for clients to solve that problem of, oh, we are coming to spring, oh, I just needed to get that deal, is something that every service business I introduce them to, to this concept, their first reaction usually is, oh, it doesn't work. And it's a concept of membership. So changing their business from a customer-centric model to a membership-centric model. So that model actually eliminates seasons, whether it's winter or spring or whatever. You have members, so you have ongoing cash flow. And when I introduce the concept, they will say, oh, it doesn't work in our industry. Uh, it works with this business. It works with that business, but it doesn't. But I've not seen a single service business that I've not been able to help them to put a membership in place. And typically, finally, when we do, they will say, oh, why didn't we do this all along? I said, because you didn't listen 
from day one, I have a business uh, there in the foundation drilling. It took them three years for them to listen. And when they finally did and things changed in their business, like, Benson, why didn't we do this since? I said, because you refuse to listen to it from day one. You kept telling me it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Instead of having an open mind to put it in place, to put it in place in the first place. So it, it, membership really eliminates that seasonality. It also really increases the value of the business. Because any business that has a membership, if they decide to sell, if it, if in their industry the typical valuation is, you know, a multiple of four, if they have a membership in place, they give themselves at least one or two more multiples just by having a membership in place. That's incredible to help pe- work people through that process. I'm sorry, Seth. No, that's good. I didn't. I had never thought about the added valuation aspect of that and working towards with that end in mind, which we so often with the, um, see that a lot of companies struggle having what that exit strategy is going to look like, and that's maybe some a key key component there. So can you tell us a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of on how you've seen that play out in some of your clients like so is it for example a monthly fee people can opt in for to be you know part of an ongoing maintenance program or something like that what what have those models looked like yeah you have the month the you have the monthly model uh, that works with some service businesses but what I found uh, typically working a lot more uh, for the construction is the annual membership model. So people actually buy a membership for uh, a year and whatever you do with them, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a quick example, uh, something I just did for a roofing business. Uh, so when I, when I did that, he said, ah, this doesn't work. And I said, you know, let, let me lay it out for you. And, uh, I actually even volunteered to be his first member when I designed it for him. And, um, <laughs> So he came to my house. I just built a uh, custom home. And, you know, I'm a big guy when it comes to maintenance because I believe that when you maintain, you, you save a lot of money down the road. So I designed this membership for him. And I said, come to my home. This builder has, you know, built my home for me. But I need, I need you to come and look at my roof and make sure that it is, you know, it's in good condition. And then, um, you know, uh, come twice a year and look at the roof and just make sure that it's properly maintained. And if there are anything, shingles flying out that I, you know, don't know if you can repair them before it becomes a, a bad situation. And then I just paid a nominal annual rate for that membership. But guess what? Because my roof is in a system now, if a storm hits my roof, who do you think I'm going to call? Some guy who just, uh, who is chasing, uh, stumps out of town. And here's that there's a storm in Dallas. So he carries his things from New Orleans and he's coming to fix roofs in Dallas because there's a storm. Oh, heck no. I'm not going to call that guy. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to listen to somebody who just knocks my door and say, Hey, can I look at your roof? No, I am going to call the guy that I have paid some money to be a member of his business. Well, if my roof needs a repair, who do you think I'm going to call first? 
the guy that I'm a member of his business. So that, that is a, you know, a very simple way that I believe that anybody listening to us can really look at it and begin to think about how to put that in place. There's obviously more in designing, you know, what packages are good for residential, what packages are good for commercial, what packages are good for HOA, you know, if you are dealing with that volume, uh, looking at their rules and how to really communicate that value you know, without just sounding like, hey, you want me to pay you money for what when I can have a free inspection at any time? Great advice and going to get us thinking more uh, as well. Switching gears a little bit, uh, for over two years now, every business owner has seemed to face challenge after challenge, uh, you know, between COVID, supply chain issues, the great resignation. Uh, now we've got some international conflict going on. Uh, with the clients you work with, what has distinguished those that have through all of that over the last two years, continue to be prof- profitable and successful. Uh, what has really distinguished them from the companies you've seen that have, have really struggled and aren't in a position to ever kind of make their way out of these uh, current circumstances? I would say uh, three words, relationship, relationship, relationship. You know, it was actually one word repeated three times. <laughs> Uh, the unfortunate thing that I see in most businesses is, is when they are dealing with people, they don't really treat them as people. They just treat them as a transaction. So when there are some turbulence and, uh, in the economy and things are being squeezed, typically people become really price sensitive. And whoever can offer them a deal, they go for that person. But that doesn't happen if you have a strong relationship with the people you call your clients. So with us, we really build that culture of with the clients that we work with. Treat your clients far more than just people that you do transactions with. You know, really get to know them, really get to care for them. So no matter what is happening in the world, you are still going to have a strong, you know, client base going on. Marriages that survive, survive not because they don't have problems. They survive because the husband and the wife have a strong relationship that cannot easily be broken. And the ones that end up in divorce are the ones that, you know, when the storm comes, they cannot withstand, they cannot withstand, uh, withstand the storm. You see, God never promises us that there will never be storms. But he tells us that when the storms come, some people who have built their house on the rock, they survive. And the ones who have built their houses on the sand, they don't. And I think the big difference is stronger relationships and weaker relationships. Warren Buffett used to say, you never know who is naked until the wave on the shore on the sea, you know, runs back. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that Buffett quote, but that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I really believe that that is a distinguishing aspect that, you know, I've seen between businesses that are going irrespective of what is happening. 
and the ones that crumble. Sure. Well, it makes so much sense that, you know, providing that quality relationship with clients and that transcendent customer experience is going to uh, just have recurring opportunities, uh, regardless of circumstances and great relationships internally keeps people from wanting to leave. It, it It's consistent in every every aspect. Absolutely. Curious, with someone so, uh, you know, in in the in the bunker with service industry and the construction industry. Uh, part of what we hope for here at Construction Disruption is trying to paint the picture of great opportunity for younger people, uh, great opportunity for them in our great industry, what we think is a great industry. So wanted to get your thoughts on what would you tell a young person who is considering uh, somewhere in construction, wherever it might be, uh, to you know consider investing their, their career in this industry? I think there's a Chinese proverb that says that the best time to plant a tree was yesterday and the second best time to plant that tree is today. So if anybody is considering getting into the construction industry or they are into it and they are wondering if they should leave or stay, I would say stay because the reality is the population of the world is increasing, it's not shrinking. And as the population is increasing, people are not going to go and stay in the farm. They are going to stay in houses. So (laughs) there is going to be a need for construction to keep being very relevant. It's really interesting that even during the COVID, the, the, the industry that really helped to hurt the economy was real estate, which really has to do with construction. And if you are in the DFW area, which is where I live, man, construction is going up. Like, I mean, um, I look at the area where I used to live when I, when I moved there, uh, when I, when I was there 10 years ago before I built a new house, it was like, you know, bare land. And now you have warehouses, you know, houses. You know, everywhere. So the construction industry is, is, is going to be growing. It's not going to be shrinking. So if anybody is considering getting into it, I would say get into it today if you are not already into it. And if you are into it, don't get out. If things are a little bit challenging, think about pivoting. Or uh, looking at it from a slightly different angle that you haven't looked at. And you guys at uh, Azaya Industries, you do a very good job of not just providing, uh, you know, people quality material, but you provide, you know, uh, good mentorship. And I was listening to your previous guest who was saying that, you know, it's really difficult to move to that next level without a good coach. So I was saying, Part of the reason why I think people are reluctant to get into an industry is because they don't even know where to start. But you guys, uh, I consider you to be the legends of the construction industry. So I believe that you can save any young person a ton of time, energy, and money. Because in Africa, they used to say, what an old man can see sitting down, a young man cannot see even when they are standing up. You know, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. so so, so, so 
uh, I, I'll encourage people to get in the industry, but not just to get in by themselves, but to seek mentorship from people and organizations like yours, because I really believe that it's going to save them a lot of time, energy, and money. Makes a lot of sense. I love that. And uh, talking about planting the tree, time to best time to plant trees yesterday. Yeah. Uh, second best is today. I, I wish I would have planted that orange mango apple tree yesterday because I sure don't know how to plant one today. So uh, you have said so many things today that are going to stick with me forever. So this has been great. Yes, fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Well, this this has been wonderful, Benson, and we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, a favorite thing we have around here at Construction Disruption, though, before we wrap up, uh, to get to know you a little bit better and maybe ask some more far-flung questions is to, uh, to go through our rapid-fire question round, which is seven questions here at the end that range from uh, maybe a little more silly and some a little more serious, which you, we, we give you the choice. You, we give you the option of opting in or not. Um, but uh, what, so I need to ask you: Are you willing to go through our rapid fire question round? Hey, I was born ready. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and as always, those listening, Benson has not seen these questions, and uh, Todd and I will alternate here, uh, asking you uh, seven rapid fire questions. So, first one: What is your bucket list vacation? The, the immediate one is going to Australia. You know, I love Australia. It has a lot of uh, uh, similar, I would say, vegetation to Africa. Uh, so I, I really love going to Australia. And part of the reason why I really love vegetation is, you know, I love, I love breeding a lot of quality oxygen. And uh, I understand that when you go where there are a lot of trees, you get to get a lot of good oxygen, you know, flowing through your system. So Australia will be on top of my list. Very good. Uh, next one. This is a little bit more serious. Um, if you could snap your fingers and do anything to change the world, what would that thing be? I would encourage every person, the over 8 billion people on the face of the earth, to become more conscious of their time. Time is something that everybody on earth has a an equal amount of, but a lot of people squander theirs because they are unconscious of that fundamental asset that God has given all of us. Powerful. Very good. What is your favorite book or author? Um, you know, I'll be remiss if I don't say my favorite book is the Bible. Um, <laughs> it is actually my favorite book. But uh, in terms of uh, business, I would say... I've read many, many books and I read many, many each week. Uh, but if I were to zero it to one, I would say it's the greatest salesman in the world by Up Mandino. Good book. I've not read that one yet, but so I chuckled when you said I would be remiss because I thought you were going to mention your book. I was trying to set you up for a, a plug there, Benson. But. It's, it, you know, it's okay. The Bible, you know, my book came <laughs> out of the Bible. Most of the stuff in my Bible, the book, are really principles that I gleaned from the Bible. So Good stuff. What, what's the name of your book? It is called The Business System That Never Fails. And again, anybody who is interested can pick a free copy or the PDF copy at consistentprofittree.com forward slash ebook. Um, you know, anybody can go there and uh, pick a, a PDF uh, version of it, or you can pick uh, a copy from Amazon. It's the 
business system that never fails. Awesome. Okay, question number four, I believe. Um, what time of day are you the most productive? Time of the day that I'm most productive is at typically around 5 a.m. That's, that's what most of our guests say. They're morning people. Love it. Yeah, we only had one that said midnight. So yes. that, was, that was the outlier. <laughs> Do you play any musical instruments? With my mouth. You're a singer? There's a great passage in the Bible that says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. So I'm really good at making noise with my mouth. Uh, <laughs> not really musically inclined. Uh, my, my wife is, my daughter is. And I remember one day we're singing in the house. And my wife said, Benson. You know, sing, sing, sing from your, sing from your tummy. And I'm like, where am I singing from? He said, you're singing from your nose. Uh, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I don't play any, you know, physical, musical instrument. But make a joyful noise and you're doing that all the time. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm really good at that. Amen. Uh, what leader from history do you most admire? You know, I really, I really uh, admire Again, if you're talking of uh, history, we go back to, you know, Paul will obviously be uh, one of the guys I really, really uh, admire in history. And anybody who has read uh, the greatest salesman in the world, uh, Ark Mandina was really talking about Paul. I'm giving away a lot of stuff here, you know, at the end, you know, a bit. So I really, I really admire uh, Paul. But if we're to look at you know, recent history, I really admire Abraham Lincoln. And here's why. Uh, one of his sayings that has really stuck with me, and it's also connected to a verse in the Bible, he said, give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'll spend four sharpening the soul. And uh, the equivalent of that in the Bible is when the axe is dull, more strength is needed to do the work. So many people spend so much time trying to do work with a dull axe instead of investing time to sharpen the axe so they can do the work easily without having blisters in their fingers. Powerful. Last question, number seven. What is the best advice you have ever received? The best advice I've ever received is to be consistently consistent. Consistent profitry. Yeah, everybody is consistent, but many people are consistently inconsistent. It means they are consistently doing the things that are not helping them achieve their goal. And then the second group of people is people who are consistently consistent. So they are doing things consistently that are helping them to achieve their goals. So they are doing things that are consistent with the goals they want to achieve. So being consistently consistent is the best advice I've ever received. Fantastic. So, well, thank you again, Benson, uh, you know, for participating in Rapid Fire, but then also for this uh, uh, great conversation. Is there anything that uh, we didn't get a chance to touch on so far today that you would like to share? I really want to Really, really thank you. Uh, Seth, I know I'm getting to know you now. I chatted a little bit with uh, uh, Mr. Todd, you know, via LinkedIn before this uh, this call. So, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I really want to thank you people for hosting me today. And the last thing I want to leave the audience with is to really be 
thankful. I have seen thanksgiving literally change the lives of people within a few minutes. I really believe that many people are sick. They have a countenance that is not good because they refuse to be thankful. And part of the reason why they refuse to be thankful is because they focus too much on what they have not accomplished instead of focusing on the things they have accomplished and to be thankful for. And when I talk about Thanksgiving, a lot of people say, Benson, what if nothing is going right in my life right now? I said, no matter what is happening in your life right now, I can show you one thing that you can be thankful for. And they will say, what is that, Benson? I say, you are still breathing free oxygen. That is something to be thankful for. Because if you stop breathing, everything stops working. So if you are still breathing, you can be thankful. Beautiful. That absolutely power of gratitude and uh, transform us from the inside out. No question. Absolutely. Thank you, Benson. For for those that want to get a hold of you, uh, to get to know you and see how uh, you can help them, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, Consistent Profit Tree is, uh, is our website. Uh, they, they can go there and, uh, you know, reach out. Uh, we don't believe in uh, squeeze-arming people. You know, typically if we can help, we help. If we cannot help, we refer people to others. That would be a good thing. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Construction Disruption with uh, Benson Abortago uh, of Consistent Profit Tree, consistentprofittree.com. I hope you reach out and get to know Benson for yourself. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We have many more great guests, as always, on tap. And don't forget, if you would, to leave a review on either Apple Podcasts or YouTube. So thank you for your time. God bless. Take care. Isaiah Industries, signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. Disruption.